the limitations that have been will be no more if you will walk through this door. For I have opened up a door in the realm of the Spirit, and I call out unto you, come up hither, come up hither, and to the higher realm that I have for you to walk in. For the things that's before you and the future and the path that I've set before you cannot be walked, cannot be fulfilled on the level that you're at now. For there is an apostolic call that goes forth that must take place. So there's a requirement that each and every one come up and run their race. It's a time to transition out of the old way of thinking and begin to look into the future because my plans for you are already predetermined. The paths that I have for you are already predetermined. And there have been limitations, ceilings that have been set upon you by the enemy and he tried to keep you out. And there are some even here and some even listening that begin to doubt. Doubt what? Doubt that the plan would ever be accomplished. Doubt that the vision would ever come to pass. But remember this, says the Lord. Don't be weary in well-doing. For in due season you shall reap if you faint not. And the reason that you become weary is because you're trying to do it in your strength. I've never in my word told you to do it in your strength. But I've given you my ability. I've given you my anointing. And so trust in me and walk in faith and take your place and you'll run this race. Because I, the Lord, have said it and I will perform it. And my word says, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not faint. Now you foul spirit, I bind you in the name of the Lord Jesus. And I command you to take your hands off and that place of darkness that you've been trying to overshadow that you've been trying to oppress, that you've been trying to hold back. I bind you right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and I command you to take your hands off of that. I command you to go in the name of Jesus and don't come back in the name of the Lord Jesus. And now, Father, I thank you for heavenly assistance to accomplish the mission because, Lord, when you needed strength to walk out your supernatural assignment. Angels were sent from heaven into the garden to strengthen you for the journey that was about to take place. For you will see in this day, you will see in this season, you will see in this time, angelic assistance 
to help you walk out my plan divine. So don't think that you're in this race by yourself. Don't think that you're in this walk by yourself. For I have strengthened you in this day and you will walk in a supernatural way, says the Lord. Now, Lord, we thank you for this in the name of Jesus. And we thank you that it's done in the realm of the spirit and it's coming to pass in this physical world. And Father, we thank you, Lord, that it applies to each one of us here, but even those that may be listening and watching, Father, it applies to them or those that may hear in the future that it could apply to them also in different aspects. And Father, as we reverently and humbly approach your word tonight, we thank you for revelation of your word, illustrations of your word, and we thank you that you're going to teach us what to do in this time that we live in. And we're careful to give you the glory, honor, and praise for it all. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. You may be seated. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Now, when I stepped up here, I had no idea that the Lord was going to give me that, but that's just the way it works. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. It's the way the office works, you know. Uh, Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Well, the plane update, you know that uh, the aircraft, we was going to bring it up. I was actually going to personally fly it up, but there was issues that arose. In fact, something happened with the aircraft that has never happened in the history of the company that made the supercharger on this. In fact, uh, Pastor Craig is either a hysterical or historical (laughs) individual. For the aircraft that you have purchased, it broke a shaft, a drive shaft pulley rod, and it's never happened in the engineering of this company. In fact, the engineers can't wait to get the shaft to find out what's going on. We're shipping it to them in Colorado uh, in this aircraft. But everything that the enemy tried to do, we've done prayed it through, and that thing will be sitting on Canadian soil in a couple of days. My son, Randall Ellinger Jr., who you know, will be bringing it in across the Canadian border. It is fueled and ready. I just saw it just a little bit ago. I got cameras. I showed you today. It is fueled. It's ready. It's done all the testing and everything you could go. And it will be on Canadian soil and the process will be started. And uh, Pastor Craig is making 100 on his test. (laughs) We'll get this done. So you have been patient and uh, patient with Pastor Craig and with us, and we appreciate that. But uh, uh, your, your vision and your dream will end in sight this week, not in the sweet by and by. Everything's being arranged right now for it to be on Canadian soil very soon this week and in a few days, you know what I mean. And Pastor Craig can talk about all the rest of that, but it'll be here. By direction of the Lord today, he's been talking to me about this since March of this year. And I know you've probably heard about the Bartell Godwit, but I'm not going to talk about that tonight, about instinct. But I'm going to speak to you tonight 
on the greatest truth rarely spoken upon in the church. The greatest truth that's rarely spoken upon and about in the church. The most revolutionized idea and truth from God's word that will change your life forever. Not only am I going to tell you about this rarely preached on subject in the Bible. And again, the most important subject in the Bible as far as changing your individual personal life. Because people, Christians, know the Bible and know what legally the Bible says belongs to them. But many well-meaning, wonderful, loving Christians never fully experience what the Bible says. And, and it's not getting on anybody. But if we're not fully experiencing what is legally ours, what's the problem? I'm glad you came. The greatest truth rarely told in the body of Christ Turn to Joshua chapter 1. It's the greatest truth. Rarely told in the body of Christ. We have let some things slip. And in this day, remember the Lord talked to us about transition. This is all part of that. Last night we talked about that. But God is speaking to Joshua. And he told him. And we'll just start reading in verse number one for the sake of the full context here of the setting. It says, uh, book of Joshua chapter one. It says, now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake or spoke unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister. He was Moses' assistant while he was here, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. And uh, you, you would think that maybe Joshua would have known that by now. But God told him that Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, God didn't say that about Moses to talk disrespectfully about him, you know, at all. But what it was denoting was a different time period. And it was time to make a transition. And Joshua's thinking and Joshua's believing and in the children of Israel, they was going to have to come up to a higher level than they'd ever been before because this generation would be the generation that would walk through that door and they would go into the promised land, that land that God had promised them, but they could not go in with a wilderness mentality. Everybody died in the wilderness. And so people had not every single one, you understand, 20 years old and older, they died in the wilderness. They never went to the promised land. So if you're there as a young adult, you know, a teenager and all, and you see all this death and everybody dying, then you've got kind of a death mentality, a no hope mentality. There's no hope for us. And so Joshua had lived through that too. And so God was telling Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. It's time that you transition from where you're at so that you can go into the promised land. But the way you're thinking, the way you're believing, Joshua, is not going to get you there. 
Ladies and gentlemen, there's a promised land that we are going to possess on this side of heaven, not in the sweet by and by. We're going to possess it on this side, but we can't do it with wilderness thinking and wilderness believing. We can't do it. We see too much death and so much sorrow and so much pain and can't do it. There's no way it could come to pass. I was raised this way. I was beat with a broom. My parents didn't treat me right. This didn't happen. I crumb up poor. I didn't have this. I didn't have that. Didn't have shoes. No, you can't go into the promised land with that wilderness mentality and we're going to work on your brain tonight. In fact, what I'm going to do to you is I'm going to do brain surgery. <laughs> said, How are you going to do it with 11th grade education? I, my God, I'm going to work on your brain. Brother Greg, don't make me come over there. I feel like slapping somebody. You might be the first one. <laughs> so I, might just slap you, you know. I'm telling you, the Lord's been working on me today. And the reason he wants me to share this with you is because he loves you. He don't want you wandering in the wilderness any longer. Pastors, ministers, Christians, men and women of God, workers, helpers, assistants, he don't want you living in the wilderness. He wants you to come on over into the promised land and where the land where milk and honey flows, where our God has prepared this place for us. But we're not going over there with wilderness thinking and wilderness mentality. We've got to change our way of thinking. We've got to change our meditation. We've got to change our belief systems if we're going into the promised land that God has for us. Tonight, we're going to do brain surgery and take the limits off your life. Going to get rid of that stinking thinking. Of course, you're going to help. You're going to help and you're going to have some homework assignments. I'm going to give you three things that I got from heaven today. Three things. I got them from Jesus himself. I didn't get them out of a psychology book and I'm not a knocking a psychologist. Some of y'all might need to see one. (laughs) I ain't a knocking them. But I'm telling you, I have done some study and the Lord has led me down this path. You know what I mean? Said, I want you to prophesy. I am prophesying. I'm telling you, this is what the Lord wants for us. So here he's telling Joshua, just like Joshua didn't know that Moses is dead. He'd been grieving and mourning for him for quite some time now. He said, Moses, my servant is dead. In other words, it's time for you to change your way of thinking. It's time to get out of that wilderness mentality, trying to get out of that, what are we going to do? How are we going to get out of this mess? What are we going to do now? And change your way of thinking and get up and go into the promised land. We're going to see how we get there. Isn't that right? He said, uh, verse two, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, do what? Arise. In other words, change your position. Change your actions. Get off your bohunkus. Get off your rear end. Get off your derriere. Get off your doggone butt. My God. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Pastor Craig's anointing's getting off me. I mean. <laughs> 
you got to get up. We can sit around here and we can grumble. We can gripe and we can complain and say, we can't, we can't, we can't. But I'm here to tell you, God said, you can, you can, you can, and you will. We're going into the promised land. This belongs to all of us, to every human being. He said, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all the people into the land which I give to them, even to the children of Israel. In other words, he's already given it to them, but they have not yet possessed it. He's given it to them. The last generation died not having received the promise. They died because of their unbelief, because of their mentality, because of their way of thinking. And they died in the wilderness. So God knew that he's going to have to work on their thinking and, and get them to change their way of thinking and their mind if they were going into the promised land. And so is it for us also. Verse three says, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon that have I given unto you as I said unto Moses. In other words, you just put your foot on it, it's yours. You know, the reason you don't have more than what you have right now, because you never put your foot on it. That's you never put your foot on it. And I'm not getting on nobody. I'm just telling you, this is the way it works. He's trying to help us, you know. If you'll put your foot on it, it's already yours. He's already given it to us. <clears throat> he said, every place and so do your foot shall tread upon. In verse three, he says, I've given unto you as I said unto Moses. He said, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even into the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea, toward the gourd down of the sun shall be your coast. In other words, it's already yours. It's yours. When God said it shall be your coast, that means it is your coast. In other words, it's a future tense for you to possess it, but it's past tense because God's already said it. It's yours. But it's up to us to go possess it. Verse five, there shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. You need to meditate on that a little while. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. He said, be strong and of a good courage. Don't be weak and down and out saying we can't. You say, I can. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the lands which I swear unto the fathers to give them. He says, only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Notice here, I want to point something out to you because our generation needs to know this. Our generation needs to know this. The sneaker-friendly generation needs to know this. And I'm not talking about tennis shoes. I'm telling you about these people that have went awry, went astray from the teachings of our mothers and fathers in the faith. God did not tell Joshua, go out there and get your own vision and say that your elders were washed up old fogies and they didn't know what they were talking about, did he? He didn't say that. He said right here on verse seven, only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, which who? Moses my servant commanded thee. In other words, you got to do what Moses said. I don't need to come down, God is saying to Joshua and preach to you another sermon. Do what Moses said. Don't turn from the right hand or the left that you may, mayest prosper whithersoever you go. So notice here, God did not write off the Moses generation like this generation has. God, a lot of the people in the church world today has written off a Brother Summerall. They've written off Brother Hagen. 
They've written off Dr. Dufresne. They've written off uh, Smith Wigglesworth. They've written off Brother Seymour. They've written off Brother Parham. They've written off a lot of these saints uh, in the faith. And, and Amy Simple McPherson and Marie Woodworth Edder, they've written them off and say they would, are not relevant today. I'm here to tell you, if God says they're relevant, they are relevant. And notice that God, God himself didn't tell Joshua to disdain what Moses said. He said, you better listen to what Moses said and you better pay attention to what Moses said because then you're going to make your way prosperous and then you're going to have good success. Isn't that what he said? So those that are doing this, they're going to, and wash, writing the people off that have taught us in the past, then you're going to see them come crumbling down and things are not going to work because that's the way it is. But we go on to this next verse. Don't get me preaching about that. Verse number eight. Notice here, and this is what I wanted to get to. I read all that to get up here. I'm going to talk to you, remember tonight, about the greatest truth never, or put it, greatest truth rarely told in the church. The greatest truth to the Christian that's rarely preached or told in the church. The greatest truth rarely preached or teach to the Christian world is right here in this verse. And it's also the seat of all the problems that people have. I said, it is the seat. It is the number one reason that Christians never experience the fullness of God's word. And again, I'm not getting on you and I'm not getting, talking down to you. I'm just telling you, if you want a plan to come out of that mess and have God's best, this right here tells us how. And we'll show you how to do it. We'll show you exactly what to do. And it's not real hard. Anything that God shows you, it does require effort and it does require time to get your squirrely mind straightened out. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Amen. Pastor, you sure you supposed to come tonight? <laughs> you sure you supposed to come tonight? Are they going to arrest me yet? But anyway, here we go. This is it. Now this word here, I want you to know, this, this is God speaking to Joshua. But whatever God says is good for any person, anywhere, at any time. Words, he was teaching him a principle in this verse. He's already been teaching him principles, which I didn't cover. There's a lot of things you could preach in all the verses I've already covered. But I wanted to get to this principle here. Because he's about to teach him a, a, a spiritual principle that would absolutely revolutionize his life to the point that it would take him into the promised land and he would possess it. But there were some requirements of Joshua in order to possess the promised land. And the main requirement is he had to change his way of thinking. He had to get from the wilderness mentality and have a promised land mentality. In other words, he had to see himself in the promised land before he ever physically occupied it. The reason you never go into your promised land is because you never see it before you physically occupy it. If you don't see it, you will not possess it. If you don't see it, you will not possess it. Now, we're going to tell you how to see it. I'm just throwing out a few things, shotgun preaching here a little bit. But we're going to tell you right down to what God showed me today. Simple to do. 
But this is the greatest truth rarely told to the Christian world. The greatest truth, the greatest truth, the greatest truth for personal development and receiving from God. This is the greatest truth rarely told and preached in the church world today. I'm not attacking anybody, but it's right here. This book of the law, he said, shall not depart out of thy mouth. Well, they had, uh, you know, the book of their Bibles, they had the, uh, what, the Torah, the five, first five books of the Bible. That's what we would call it. So they didn't have everything we have today. But anyway, this book of the law for us could apply the Bible, right? Shall not depart out of thy mouth. Let me say something. Many people have a confession in their mouth with stinking thinking in their mind. And their mind causes them to have spiritual faith failures, never receiving what God says. Every time they try to climb up out of the basket and get a little higher, then there's a failure because their thinking doesn't match up with their confession. Your mind has a lot to do with where you go. God didn't give you a mind for you to waste it. But this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Yes, we have it in our mouth, but notice what else he said. But thou shalt meditate. Say meditate. The greatest truth rarely told in the church world today is meditation. And it is the key to all personal success in the Christian life. If I can talk you in to what I'm going to preach and what I am going to preach to you tonight and continue to preach to you, to put this into practice in your life, in just a short amount of time, you're going to have breakthroughs that you have not had. Some of you in 10 years, some of you in 50 years, some of you in 20 years, and some of you in 40 years. Because you've got to get rid of the wilderness thinking to have a promised land experience. You've got to. I have to. Meditation. Meditation means to think on something deeply. There's all kinds of little words that and it also is to mutter it aloud to yourself, but really is to focus on a truth in your mind over and over. And of course, that is a gateway into your spirit too. But notice he said, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein every three months. And maybe once a year, it would be okay. And, uh, then you'll be able to observe to do all that's written and then you're going to make your way prosperous and then you're going to have good success. You mean if I meditate every three months? You mean if I meditate every six months, maybe once a year? Maybe every Easter? Maybe Christmas? Or something? Then what am I going to do? This verse says here, now you reckon God lied. You think God lied. He said, meditate. He said, you're going to let a part of verse, thou shalt make, thou, thou, you will. You will. You will. You will make your way prosperous and then, after you've done the meditation, you shall have good success. So let me go back because I seen you was trying to correct me. I know some of you wanted to body slam me, but I'm pretty big still, you know. I've lost some of my muscles, but not all of them. <laughs> He said, but thou shalt meditate, in verse 8, therein, how often? Day and night. Day and 
night. In other words, we need to work on our mental processes so that we never think failure. We never think doubt and unbelief. We never think that sickness is going to overcome us, even though it may attack us. We never think poverty, where we're never going to get out from where we're at. We're never going to have nothing else. We was born this way. It's just an inherit, uh, and it's just passed on, you know, from generation to generation. No. He wants us to develop a thought life, our way of thinking. Meditate on it. How often? Day and night. And we're going to talk about that exactly how to do it. I'm not just yelling and screaming about doing it, but how to do it. And it's very easy, very simple. Three things that the Lord showed me today. There was a lady named Dr. Lillian B. Yeomans. Y'all remember Miss Lillian Yeomans? Was you there, Pastor? You, you ever meet her? No, I don't think you. Brother Scott, I'm telling you, when he said over here that you was here, I looked over here and I thought, I don't even know who he is. <laughs> he has had such a transformation. Yes, yes. He used to be able to throw me down and body slam me, but I ain't whoop him now. I can tell you the truth about it. <laughs> I, might, I might throw him down here. <laughs> He's had a transformation. You still kicking too, I see. <laughs> but Dr. Lillian B. Owens, anybody ever heard of her? She had a home called a healing home. Heard her sister did. And she had been a medical doctor. If you don't know her history and prior testimony, I'll just give you a little synopsis of that so you'll know. She was a medical doctor. And uh, she had helped a lot of patients. And there was a lot of people that was sick. There was a lot of people that need help. Just I'm saying this in her behalf. And because she said it this way. But anyway... Her duties and requirements as far as being a doctor got to be so much that she was working literally almost day and night. And so she couldn't keep up with the pace that she was keeping up with physically. It was running her down. Well, her being a medical doctor knew that they were little drugs or some drugs that she could get that would give her a boost, you know, you know how y'all get that boost? You know, you get that in that stuff in that can or in that cup and you get two shots in it and you're the Energizer Bunny, y'all. <laughs> well, she didn't go to Starbucks or go down to get the energy drink or anything like that because she had a medicine cabinet. And being a medical doctor, she knew that those things could actually help keep her awake and it would give her energy when her physical body run down. But what happened is she started doing that and, and, and I'm sure by her own testimony, she done it so that she could help more people because yeah. there were so many sick people and very few doctors. And so she began to take that, uh, those drugs to help her body and get her up and going and, and make her stay awake longer and get her up earlier so she could treat more people till finally she actually got addicted yeah. to those drugs. I mean, she became a drug addict. The medical doctor became a drug addict. Now, before the service is over, I'm going to prove to most of you, not all of you, that you are addicts also. 
And I'm also going to show you how to get rid of that addiction in your life. Amen. Now, I got this from heaven. Christians are addicted. You not, may not be Jones, and if you don't know what that is, bless you. That's where somebody that runs a needle in your arm, I used to be down that road. When they get to needing a fix, they call it Jonesing. And you may not be here sweating and breaking out in hives and all that stuff and can't stand still and be still. And you see them when they get to Jonesing, they have to have all kinds of stuff. But you can be addicted and never take a shot. In fact, a lot of Christians are addicted. And they're addicted to such a point that their brains cannot focus on the Word of God like it should. Their minds are being totally destroyed every day of their life, and they don't know it. We're going to talk about it. But Dr. Lillian B. Yeomans became a drug addict, full-blown drug addict. Well... When it was discovered by those in authority, you know, that was over the doctors, that she had this condition. And, and she couldn't, as much as she wanted to, this stuff had her. And so when they could no longer get it through her medical profession, she started getting it any kind of way she could. But through that, she lost her license to practice medicine. You know what I mean? Because she was a full-blown drug addict. But at her darkest hour, her deepest despair... A lot of people, this is where you find them. They never look up until the only thing they can do is look up. People wait till they fall to begin to call for help. But tonight, I want you to know that you don't have to wait till you fall to call for help. You can start changing tonight. And you can see better things tonight. A lot of people never look up, never call for help till they hit the bottom. And that's what happened to her. She hit the bottom and there's no hope. And in the process, she got saved and filled with a spirit on fire for God. Wrote songs. I still sing some of the songs. Don't get me singing. I still sing some of the songs she wrote. But they had a healing home, her and her sister, because she couldn't practice medicine, you know, as a doctor. But she could practice the Word of God. And so she would bring in patients, and the way they took them into this home, they could only house so many. It's a little two-story wood frame house. And uh, they would bring in patients that medical science could no longer help. There was no hope. They were going to die. And that was it. It was over. And so one particular case that I want to tell you about, and they had great results, by the way but this is how they got it. They got it by practicing the spiritual truth of meditation. Mrs. Yeomans, a preacher that had been the medical doctor, realized that if she could get people to meditate on the Word of God long enough, it would create a belief system in them and they would walk up off their deathbed just through their thinking alone. Because everyone that came, they lived in the wilderness of death. There was no hope. So in order to get them out of that wilderness, she had to change their way of thinking. And that's what the Word of God is for. So this lady came in 
And I believe, if, if you recall, somebody can help me, but I believe this lady had tuberculosis. Was that it? Or cancer or something like that anyway. Some dreadful, and tuberculosis in that day was dreadful. You, you died. But anyway, they brought the lady in. She was at the end of her road. Medical science could not help her. She was given up to die. And so they, so when one patient left and they had another bed, and so they got her in and got her up the steps, of course, with help, and got her in the bed and, and laid her down and tried to make her comfortable. And then Dr. Lillian B. Yeomans sat down beside her bed and said, Honey, now listen to me. And of course, this lady's kind of going in and out of consciousness. In fact, by Dr. Yeoman's own testimony, if she had been able to administer powerful drugs, she would have given her some of the most powerful drugs available because of the pain that she was in. She would have done that as a medical doctor, but she could not legally. And she said, honey, I know you're going in and out of consciousness, but listen to what I'm saying to the best of your ability. So she sat there and read her healing scriptures in the Bible probably starting from Genesis all the way on, just reading scriptures to her over and over. When she got through reading these scriptures, it took quite some time for this lady. Then she said to this lady, she said, now, what I want you to do while you're lying here in this bed, every conscious mo moment, because she would go in and out of consciousness, you know, and going to passing out to sleep, you know, and tired and then coming back, said, I want you to say this out of, out of your mouth. That Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. And because of that, I no longer have tuberculosis or cancer, whatever it was. I no longer have this. It's a dreadful disease. Seemed like to me it was tuberculosis, but it's coming to. Was that what it was? Yes, he looked it up for me. He's my helper. You know what I mean? You got the Holy Ghost. I got Reverend Michael. <laughs> But I no longer, and I'm just paraphrasing, but this is how simple it can be. This is how simple. A lot of people think you've got to say things 14,000 times, you know, a long confession. But you said that lady, every waking moment, say that Christ has redeemed you for the curse of the law. And therefore, because of that, uh, I am no longer have a tuberculosis. She said, say it every waking moment. So she got her to saying it. She got it where she could get her mind. Cause it didn't take, you don't take much to remember that. She got her doing it. And then she went back down trying to help other patients, you know. Later on, she came back and asked the lady, have you been saying it? Yes, I've been saying it. But the lady said, it don't mean anything to me. She said, that's okay, honey. You just keep saying it. Why? Because she's so far out in the wilderness, she had to tie a rope to her and drag her out of there. Her mind's messed up. Her way of thinking's messed up. And I'll tell you, a lot of Christians' minds are messed up right now. Yes, messed up. Puts a seal on their life. So she sat there and read through the scriptures again, just healing scriptures, because that's what she needed. And she said, now, honey, every waking moment, you say this out of your mouth, the same thing. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. Because he's done that, I no longer have a tuberculosis. Something to that extent, but just something basic, simple, that anybody could do, you know, because she's going in and out of consciousness. And she went on about her business, come back the next day, do the same thing. And then, how you doing? Lady said, well, it don't mean anything. I don't know. What am I doing this for, you know? She said, honey, Dr. Yeoman told her, honey, just keep on saying it. Keep on saying it. So she'd been going through this, I don't know, a week or so, you know, this lady doing this. 
It said one day they were in the uh, kitchen, her and her sister was, preparing some soup. You know, everybody's got to have something to eat. And of course, uh, most of them there on their deathbed so they can't re eat real hard foods or nothing. Or that good gospel bird, fried chicken or nothing, you know. So they're preparing the soup and getting ready, you know, to, to feed everybody there in this little house, eight or 10 people, you know. So all of a sudden they heard this great commotion upstairs. Somebody a hollering and a jumping and feet are running. And all of a sudden they heard somebody come running down the stairs in their skivvies. You know, skivvies. And they heard this lady that had been in that bed and she was hollering coming down the stairs. This lady that was on her deathbed dying was running down, running, running, running down the steps. Said, Dr. Yeomans, Dr. Yeomans, you know Christ redeemed me from the curse of the law and I no longer have tuberculosis. Dr. Yeomans turned around and looked at her and said, honey, I've been trying to tell you that ever since you've been here. <laughs> that truth acted upon will change your life in every realm. Spiritually, physically, materially, financially, educationally, uh, relationship, job, it don't matter what it is. You've got to get your thinking lined up with the Word of God. Meditate on the Word of God. And that's exactly what that lady did. That lady, without realizing it, was meditating on the Word. She was muttering it aloud. She was speaking it. You know her voice was barely a whisper when she was saying this in the condition she was in. But she was muttering it aloud to herself and she got to thinking on it and thinking on it and thinking on it. And all of a sudden, she had a transition in her life and she came out of the wilderness and she saw herself in the promised land and she jumped out of that bed and she ran down the stairs. Woo! It's time that you get out of the bed and run down the stairs. Amen. It is time. Anybody ever heard of a man named Reverend George Mueller? He was a man that was used by God to help a lot of orphans in his country. Little kids that didn't have mamas and daddies. They were just street kids. Orphans had nobody to love them and care for them. He just had such a heart for them. And he went before God. And just between him and God, over the years that he had these homes and built these homes for these children, him being in charge, he was able to, God was able to bring him millions upon millions of dollars today. I don't know, it might be a hundred million compared to that, because it was like seven or eight million dollars. But that's way back yonder when money was worth, worth a lot more. And so he had great exploits in prayer, great exploits of faith, great exploits of believing God, not only for himself, but all those little children, 500,000 kids. He's feeding them every day. He's clothing them every day. He provided medicine for them every day. He provided housing for them every day. He provided those paychecks for those that's watching over those kids every day. He has no source of income but God. He has no help whatsoever but God. The only person he asked was God. This is what Reverend George Mueller said. 
Are you ready to hear it? Would you do it if I told you what he said that would make you a success? It was his custom on a daily basis to arise early because he had so many things and so much we'd call it on our plate to do that day that he would get out of bed early. I call it wake up before the devil does, you know. <laughs> I know some of y'all let him get up for you do. But anyway, <laughs> that's up to you. You know, Jesus arose a great while for a day. Don't let that go over your head. Don't let it go over your head. While the world had laid aside, Jesus got up. And he went out to commune with his heavenly father. Before he faced the world, before he faced the day, he went face to face with God. And the reason most people can't face the day and can't face the world it's because they first don't go face to face with God. You need to have an encounter. So Reverend George Mueller said that he struggled early on in his ministry. He said he seemed like that even though he got up early and he was very studious and he prayed, uh, read the scriptures, but it seemed like that he was always lacking something that he just didn't have the spiritual wherewithal to keep going through the day and keep making it with all the task and believing and, and exercising faith for God to feed these children and, and take care of the power bills and whatever else. You know, they would have the same things we got today, but you, you understand that. And he said it just seemed like he couldn't make it through the day. And he struggled like this for about 10 or 15 years. Right now, I think 12 to 15 years that he struggled. And so one morning he got up and this thought came to him. You know, it's good to use your mind. It's, true. it's okay. Yeah. You know, a lot of us want to put everything off on God. Yeah. God gave you a brain because he wanted you to use it. So just in his mind, he sat down. Instead of going through his normal procedures that he would normally do, you know, Start praying, start reading the Bible, start trying to talk to God because it seemed like he said he never really connected. Instead of doing that that day, the thought came to him. I don't have the spiritual wherewithal to make it through the day most of the time. I struggle. I mean, my faith gets weak. I mean, and I got to believe God for these babies. And not only that, for the self and the houses and all the people and got to pay the rent, got to pay the staff, got to get the food, got to get the milk. They had little babies in there. As well as toddlers and everything. So he said, I just couldn't make it. So he sat there that morning and stood of started his normal routine. He got to thinking about it. Where, where am I missing it? God's the source of all strength. And it dawned on him. I am not connecting with God. 
I'm going through the motions of Christianity, but I'm not plugging into the power source. In fact, there's a tug out there in your hangar, fire breathing, Holy Ghost anointed tug that we plugged up. You know why we plugged that tug up? Because it's hooked to a power source so that when that aircraft comes sliding in here, fire breathing, Holy Ghost anointed, 310 supercharged horsepower. Ying! You got to have something to harness that thing and talk it to going into corral. So we got this thing hooked to uh, an electrical outlet because we are charging the batteries on that tug to make sure it's fully charged. And of course, it'll stay charged for quite some time. But in the travel and all, and, and the gentleman coming to get it, we just wanted to make sure it was topped off. I guess that'd be the way to say it. But the only way we could charge that tug is to plug it into the power source that's in, in the hangar out there, which is called electricity. And once we plugged it in there, in fact, the light turned green, I think, before we almost left because it was already topped off. We charged it before we sent it. And so, uh, Brother, uh, who we're talking about here, you remember his name? Mueller, Brother Mueller. What he said is this. He said he wouldn't make a connection. He just knew that. There's nothing wrong with identifying areas that need improvement in our life. A lot of people think you're making a bad confession. It's not. Especially us faith folks. I think we're the worst at it in the Christian world. I mean, when I went to Ramah, uh, Reverend Lokedic and I went to Bible school, we had confession police. The students, we were all confession police. If you walked down the hall of Ramah back in that day and you were to say out of your mouth, I've got a cold, that key, you're right there on the spot. I mean, that was it. You didn't have to worry about overcoming the cold, brother. You had to be worried about getting rid of rose from the dead. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of going to the extreme, you know, but that's the way it was in those days. So he realized that uh, he was not making connection. And then he said this, and, and he wasn't making a bad confession. There's nothing wrong to evaluating areas that you need help in. That's not a bad confession. It's identifying what you need to do. And he thought about it. Where am I missing it? So instead of going to his normal routine of praying and claiming the scriptures and believing God for this, he said he just stopped and said, Father, sat down in a chair, got his mind quiet, forgot about all the duties of his day. said, Father, where do I need help? What do I need to do? He said, what you need to do, the Lord showed him, is meditate upon my word. He said, if you'll meditate upon my word, you'll have a greater connection with me than you've ever had before. Now, that doesn't take the place of prayer. It doesn't take the place of reading and studying the word but it's part of it and it's the most important part of your day. So beginning that day, he made the adjustment and he stopped and he would sit in his chair and what he would do is begin to meditate about God. 
He may have a scripture that would come to him and he would just meditate on that one scripture. He would quieten his mind and begin to think about God. And he said God would become so real to him. It was just like that the Lord was sitting right beside him or standing right in front of him. And he would be so infused with energy that not only could it make it through the day, it was like he could go day and night supernaturally strengthened by God himself. And so God began to help him. Now, if it happened for Brother Mueller, and it did, because he went on and helped many, many thousands of orphans and little babies and little children didn't have any mamas and daddies and helped them and housed them and took care of them. And if it worked for Dr. Yeomans and them, and then, of course, Dad Hagen, Dad Hagen was one to meditate on the Word. If he was believing God for something before, and, and if he had the time, in an emergency, you got to pray right now. But if it's not an emergency, you got time to meditate on the Word. And he tells about the time that his, his daughter, uh, Pat was her name, and I'm not disrespecting her. You know, it's Reverend Pat Harrison today. That's, that's her name. That was his daughter. But anyway, she got a growth on her face. And uh, they said, the medical doctor said that if it didn't have surgery, that this was going to create a big problem and it wasn't going to disappear and it wasn't going to go away. And it had to be a certain surgeon to, in order to remove it. If it didn't, it would come right back. And the surgeon told him this. And so Dad Hagen went, of course, he had to go out on the road. But as soon as he come back off, off the road, and of course, he told his wife, you know, I'm going to pray about this. And so when he would come in from his meeting from preaching at night, he would get his Bible. You remember this? Telling us his stories. He would get his Bible, and he, would, he knew the healing scriptures. You know what I mean? Didn't he write Mark 11, 23? <laughs> but he knew those scriptures the healing scriptures, and he would just go through the Bible and read the healing scriptures out loud to himself. He'd read them, not pray about nothing. And then he would lie back on the bed and he would meditate on them. Just think deeply about them over and over. And he would sleep sometimes two or three hours and he would get back up again. And he would open his Bible and he would go through the healing scriptures again. This is before he ever prayed for his daughter. And after he had done that for a while, even though he believed in healing, he had been healed himself, he became thoroughly convinced, thoroughly convinced that when he prayed that the growth would disappear off of his daughter's face and she would not have to have surgery. He prayed and believed God after meditating on it for quite some time. And then it, it didn't disappear right away. But over a period of days, he said he just started thanking God, thanking God, thanking God, thanking God, thanking God, thanking God. And one day he happened to see his little daughter and, and happened to notice and, and the growth was gone. And he said, honey, that's Aretha Hagen, his wife, said, honey, that, that growth has disappeared off her face. He said, she said, oh, that's been gone for several days now. <laughs> He said he'd been so busy just thanking God that it was gone because he believed it inside of him. He conceived it inside of him to the point that it was there. He saw it gone. What you see is what's going to come to be in your life. The reason you meditate on something is so that you will begin to see it 
We call it, imagine it. There's nothing wrong with a godly imagination. You begin to see it. Now I want to get into this part of it. What the Lord told me. And study I have done in the past too because the Lord, you know, He don't tell you everything. He just gets you going. But whether you realize it or not, and I know that you do because you're very intelligent people, every thought that you think creates a chemical reaction in your brain. That chemical reaction goes to something called feelings or emotions. And that's why you can thank yourself to feel bad or whatever. But every thought that you have creates a chemical reaction in your brain. And if you're constantly thinking failure, thinking sickness, thinking that nothing is ever going to change, all you're doing is creating the same environment that you already have. In order to change your environment, another way to say it is circumstances, is you have to change your thinking. How many, and I'm not wanting you to raise your hand, how many is waiting for God to come to the pool of Bethesda? God is waiting for you to go into the promised land. Every thought you think creates a chemical reaction that goes into your feeling realm or emotional realm and your physical body. And it makes up, this is neuroscience has proven this. It makes up what we call your personality. Your personality is formed by the way that you think or perceive yourself. That's the persona you give to other people. And if you want others to see you differently than what you are, then you've got to think differently than what you have. Now, how does this apply to the Word of God? If you need healing in your physical body then what you're going to need to do is you're going to need to do the same thing the little lady did at Dr. Yeoman's. You're going to need to get the scriptures. And I'm not saying you've got to read every one of them in the Bible, but you need to read that scripture. And you need to read it out loud to yourself. And I'm going to tell you exactly how to do this in just a minute. I'm just leading up to something. But if you'll do that, then it's going to change your environment, which changes your circumstances. What I mean by that, the best way to say it, maybe you can understand it better. If you want to change your circumstances, you've got to change your thinking. If you want to change your circumstances, if you want to change what you have right now and get something better, then you've got to come out of that thinking that you're in. Because it's not that God has not given to you Already, all the promises of God are what? Yes and amen. Legally, they belong to you and they belong to me. I've seen that jet. I almost see myself in that seat. I did. 
I told my son a while back, you better hold me back. How much does it cost? Well, if you lose your mind, you don't care. (laughs) And it's not about just jets. It's not about material things. But it's God training me so I can help more people. He told me that nations and countries are going to be changed. But they're not going to be changed till I change. So sometimes he uses natural things, material things to get you to change and get you into a mentality so you can help somebody else. But if you're going to change your circumstances, you're going to change what you have right now. You've got to change what you're thinking, what you're meditating on, because that determines exactly what you're believing. The Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, what? So is he. Now, why don't people practice what I'm telling you tonight? Why don't people meditate on the word like the Bible says, like we're saying tonight? The simple truth is this, because you do not believe it will help you. The reason you do not do it is because you do not believe it'll help you. And it may be our fault because you don't hear it preached a lot. And a lot of people think, you know, that meditation, because it has been taken, you know, you got gurus and extremists out there that has taken meditation to the extreme, ungodly, but I'm talking about biblical meditation. You got to change your brain. You got to change your way of thinking. You got to change your meditation, which will change your belief system inside of you. And then nothing will be impossible to you. Nothing. 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 This is what you do. What time is it? This is what you do. This is a medical service. No, mental service. No, it's brain surgery. That's what it is. Because this, this, this is the key. I mean, we, we've got the power. We, we, we believe in the Holy Ghost. We pray in other tongues. But why do we still have all the problems we do? This is what you do. I'm going to give you the triple seven formula that Jesus taught me today. I did not get this out of a book. I didn't get this from any man whatsoever. I've been working on me. And this is what he told me. He said, take the scriptures that you need help in. You need help, say, in in, uh, prosperity. You know, we read the scripture last night where Jesus became poor for our sake that we through his poverty may be rich. You could take that scripture. That's what he said. He said, take that scripture, sit down, turn your phone off, get your iPad out of your way. Can I take a side journey now? Are you ready? I'm going to tell you about you being a dope addict. Neuroscience has proven this is not imagination. That social media devices are programmed to control your mind. And that People can actually and are, many are, addicted to social media. Because when you post something, then you look for likes 
And what happens is this, and there's, there's nothing wrong with posting something, you know. Yeah. How you doing, Brother Happy? We're going to make it. Keep an eye on him in the end, do we? <laughs> but uh, this is what they've proven. You can actually become addicted to social media because there is something called dopamine in your mind. Every time you post something and you look and see where somebody liked it, it sends a rush of that dopamine into your system and you get like the old lab rat that's got to have another one. And in fact, it's the same feeling that an alcoholic and drug addict has, but they do it with chemicals and gamblers have that are addicted. It's called dopamine. Go look it up yourself. Say, Brother Randy, what you doing? All? The Lord's been trying to help my stinking thinking. So I'm right in there with you. So people get on these things and it controls their life. And they actually get addicted to it. And they have to have another shot, another snort. Y'all ain't never snorted? Y'all ain't never shot nothing? You ever had the Joneses? I ain't talking about living beside them. I'm talking about the real Joneses. But people become addicted to social media because it's designed that way to keep you coming back because they make money off them commercials they run on that thing. And those ads, or maybe the better way to say it, on that thing. So they know exactly what makes this. These people are smart behind this stuff. And listen, it don't matter. And I'm not saying you're going to hell today for putting a post on, on whatever you call it. Maybe tomorrow, but not. <laughs> I'm joking. I use the device. I do it. I communicate. You know what I mean? But I make sure that I don't get addicted to it. Because I was a world-class addict. I smoked, I shot, I drank. And smoked and shot and drank again. I huffed and I puffed until I blew the house down. My God. I, <laughs> so I'm not getting on anybody, but this is research. Neuroscience has figured out and these companies have figured out what makes you tick. And then they know what makes you come back. And what happens is, as people get into, it actually changes their way of thinking. Because every thought you have creates a criminal rea uh, chemical reaction. For instance, we was in the car the other day. Remember those people that had road rage? Yeah. They couldn't control their brain. And we actually saw it. He saw it. And I said, Pastor, I said, they, them people are rare. They're going for it. He said, he said, look, they're getting out of the car in the middle of the street. Look like they're going to try to kill one another. Right over here. Was it on Derry? Highway 10. Whatever. Is that? Derry, yeah. Right here. But you know, it didn't used to be that way. People didn't used to jump off the moving wagon, go back there and slap somebody. <laughs> Did you know that? But now, you know, we have so many instances of road rage. I mean, I tell you, they come, they come by me and I can just tell they got it. I mean, they, they had that too much of that dope. I'm telling you, your brain, dopamine. You know what I mean? They had, and they're, 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 they're firing process and neurons in their mind. I'm telling you, I'm a brain surgeon. Their neurons are not firing correctly. And their chemical balance is all off. And it don't take me just something like that. Boom, they're gone. 
So if I see somebody coming or weaving and jumping and trying to, I just, whoo, you can have the road, buddy. Why? Because I ain't going to get out there and wrestle with them. You give me some of that dope, I will. <laughs> I'll go with the best of them. But you have it right here. Right here in Toronto, the GTA. Don't you have road rage around here? What's going on? This didn't used to be. It is social media that has changed the thinking and mentality because their brains can't focus anymore. They'll snap at the drop of a hat and they'll do something because the chemical processes create neurons firing in their brain and they act before they think. And that's why you can't just eat just one. You got to eat another one. You know, the Lay's tater chips, they used to have a commercial, you can't eat just one. That's why you can't just look at one post. You got to scroll through. What says, how's her hair, her shoes? What is that, eating grits? Y'all know what, what is that? People post pictures of their food. I, you, know, you post whatever, you know, and they, they take pictures of them and have a good time. They look like they're stressed out trying to have a good time, take a picture so they can get a like from you. You know what I mean? Everybody get over here. My God, I'm okay. You better sit down, shut up, but smile. <laughs> Smile, and I'm not against any of that, but you go research this. It's true. I'm telling you, it's in the church. Most Christians, most, are addicted to dopamine. It is just like an alcoholic. It is just like, I'm telling you, you go read it. Neuroscience has proven it. It's just like a drug addict. It's just like an alcoholic, and it's just like a gambler. The same high. But it's, it's, it comes from a different source. They get it through chemicals or gambling, but you get it through that uh, likes and all that, any kind of social media like that. And that don't mean it's bad if it's used correctly. But the only reason I bring it up is not to get on anybody. It gets your brain also to firing so that you cannot focus very long. Because you're constantly scrolling. You, constantly, you got to do this. Check my email. What is this? What did it say? Let me go back to this one right here. What did they say? My God, did they say that about me? What? what I'm, I'm going to go there and whoop them all. My God, what, what is that? Who is that? What's her sister doing? Who is that boy she's running around with now? My God. Look at the way she's dressed. My God, she looks like a hussy. My God. I, I got y'all pinned down. You know what? Uh, see, I'm not saying all that. I'm not saying nothing. You can't do it. But what I'm saying is the world is after our brain. And it brings you to a point that you can't focus for very long on anything. And that's why people lose it out there on the road. That's why people walk in with guns and shoot somebody. You know, we just had shootings down here in Tulsa. While I've been here. Walked into a place today and shot somebody, ran out, went down the street in a quick trip, which is a gas station, shot somebody else, then shot themselves. They don't even know why. I tell you why they had too much dope. I mean, their, their neurons are not firing correctly. And the enemy don't want us to meditate. And I don't, like I said, I'm not saying you're going to hell for any of that, nothing. You do what you want to. Three things. Seven. This is what the Lord said. Take your scripture. Get you one scripture you need help on. And it's easy. One, if it's healing, find you a scripture. Now, one scripture. Don't get 15. One scripture. 
set your devices aside and just tell Jesus you'll be back in a minute. <laughs> Reverend Taylor said, my God, Brother Randy, I... What I'm saying is this. Jesus is going to be there helping you. Turn off every distraction. Because we live in a world of distraction. Get one scripture and let the Lord help you. Because one scripture. Sit down, turn your medical devices off and, and you... Well, it's dope. Isn't that right? So it's a medical device. Isn't that right? It's, it's giving you dopamine. Dr. Yeoman said she could give them a shot of dope. It'd help them, you know. Turn your dope machines off and all that. And uh, sit down and be quiet. Have everything off and just between you and God. This is what the Lord said. It's very simple. Read that one scripture out loud to yourself Seven times. Seven times. Now, when you're reading it out loud to yourself, you know, that's called muttering it aloud. That's part of meditation. Read it out loud to yourself seven times. And of course, you could do it more, but if you keep it simple, keep it simple, it's easier to accomplish. Because what you're doing is you're building that into your thought life. What you're doing is all the, the chemistry in your brain, your neurons and the way it fires, you're trying to get them firing on one path. And that's why you're reading it seven times. Because you want all the other thoughts out. You know what I mean? You don't want to be thinking about is the bacon burning, you know, or is the chicken thawing out, you know what I mean? Or... Uh, or is a vacuum cleaner? Did I, what, what I need to do? I got to empty the bag. Uh, uh, you know, I need to clean the bathroom. You know, you just you're, you're concentrating, you're focusing on. I'm telling you, this is a key right here. This is a key that's going to break you out of where you're at. Read it out loud to yourself seven times. And after you've read it out loud to yourself seven times, stop and close your eyes. Now, this is practical information. Why would you close your eyes? Well, in prayer, most of the time, when we have prayer here, what do we do? Close our eyes. Why do we do that? Distractions. That's all. We don't want to be distracted. We're focusing on God. So that's why we're not being a guru or anything like that. You're just trying to keep from being distracted by external things around you. Close your eyes. And for seven minutes, seven minutes. Now you say, well, seven minutes is not long. We'll try this and see if it is. <laughs> Don't think on anything else. Don't meditate on anything else except that one scripture that you just read seven times. Seven times. You read one scripture out loud seven times. You're sitting down, you're quiet, you got everything off, and then you close your eyes. Why? To keep from being distracted. That's why we close our eyes. It's not some guru position or nothing like that. And then we think only on that thought of that word. We're thinking deeply about that scripture. That's all we're doing it. Over and over for seven minutes. 
That's what you do. Now, after you do it for seven minutes, do it, go back through that process again. Read the scripture after the end of that seven minutes. Go back and read the scripture again seven times. Stop, close your eyes, and meditate on that scripture for seven minutes. Would it be prosperity, healing, anything? It, you just get that one scripture. Do that. And after you read it to yourself seven times out loud, and then I mean, you're keeping all the other thoughts out. Now, this may sound like it's so simple, but you'll be shocked at how many thoughts you've got in your brain. Do you know that neuroscience says that you have over between 60 and 70,000 thoughts a day? And you wondered why we was goofed up. <laughs> We've got a massive computer sitting up here. And if you don't take charge of those thoughts, your thoughts will take charge of you. Because your thoughts will create your world. Yes, faith's involved. Faith's part of it. But you won't have the faith that you need till you meditate on it. So you meditate on it for seven minutes again. And at the end of that seven minutes, you open your eyes and you go back and you read that scripture seven more times. So how many times have we done it so far? Two. Now we're starting on the third time. Yeah, we're, we are starting on the third time. Read that scripture out loud for you again for seven times. Close your eyes and think on it deeply for seven minutes. Do this for three times in, in, in starting your day to get this inside of you. Do it for seven days. This is what the Lord showed me. Seven days. Now, it may be that in the process of this, that you get this revelation in your spirit that you're trying to get. Because another thing that happens, we try to believe most of the time too much at one time. We're, 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 well, I need everything. Well, you can't get everything at once. So what do you do? Read the scripture out loud to yourself seven times. Meditate on it for seven minutes. Then go back and do that same process three times. And we'll say, well, I ain't got that much time. That's our problem. Yeah. 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 Now, that don't mean that we don't read and study the word. That don't mean we don't pray. This is, in, this is before we do anything. In the morning, if you'll do this and start your day this way, your day is going to be much different. And there's a lot more in here that I'm not going to have time to cover. Your pastor knows more about this than I do, but he can cover it. But there's a lot more in here. So you're going to do this three times a day for seven days. By the end of that seven days or before you get to the end of that seven days, you're going to be transformed in your thinking in that area of your life. Also, like I said, it has to do with prosperity. It has to do with healing. It has to do with relationships. It has to do with overcoming any area of your life. It'll work. And then also, if uh, as you go along and you begin to incorporate this into your life, and I don't have time to cover it all, but incorporate these things, areas of your life that you've been having problems in and struggles in, 
You need to find scriptures that covers that particular area and begin to see yourself different than you've ever seen yourself before. Because with your thoughts, which creates faith inside of you, meditating on this word. So we're not doing it beyond the word. We're doing it with the word. Then it's going to create inside of you a faith and a belief system that even the devil cannot shake from you. And a lot of your problems, I'll guarantee you, you don't even have to pray about them. They're just going to fall to the side. They're going to be gone. A lot of physical issues that you have will begin to dissipate because I'll tell you what will happen. You'll begin to relax more. We live in a hurry, scurry society. It's a lot of anxiety and a lot of pushing and shoving. We got to get this, got to get that. But there comes a time that you just sit and wait upon the Lord. So you believe you can do that? Are you going to do it? I'm going to do it too. In fact, I've been already practicing it. That's why I'm preaching it. Because the Lord's been working on me because he's got things for me to do. But he said in order for you to do them, he said, I've got to change your way of thinking. Just like I had to change Joshua's thinking. Joshua had a wilderness mentality. And God was trying to take him in the promised land. Isn't that right? And he told Joshua, meditate upon the word how often? Day and night. All right. Let me, let me tell you something right quick. I'm, I'm trying to get to the end here. You keep agging me on. I've proven this too. If there's things you want to see come to pass in your life, you've got dreams, you've got visions, you, you want to see something happen, write down four things. Four things that you want to see come to pass in your life. And during your day, as you go about your business and everything, this is beyond the meditation. During your day, keep those four things before you. You can do it even while you're talking to people. I have proven it. Four things. Something that you want to see. Your dreams, your visions, your desires. You know, you may want something to come to pass in your life. You may home, uh, children, uh, money, Whatever. Take those four things and keep them before you during the day. And if you'll just make it a habit. Now, to start with, when you start doing this, I can tell you from experience, your neurons have been firing this way and that way and being and all that explosion has been going on. But all of a sudden, you'll begin to take captive every thought. And you're going to see, my Lord, where have I been all this time? And those things that you will think about and meditate on just constantly, consistently, day after day, they're going to find you and they're going to hunt you down. What you believe is what you're going to attract in your life. What you believe. I'm not talking about beyond the Bible. I'm not talking about some guru something. I'm talking about biblical. Because if you'll believe something, based on the Word of God, because that's what we're talking about, with God. And whatever it is, those four things, you you get over them, you'll get stressed out. I know from experience. Four things. And just meditate on them daily. Just think about them. As you go along, just meditate on them. And then, as you're doing this, and closing. How many times, how many closes you get? I think I've heard you close a lot of times. Yeah, I've heard him close a lot of times. <laughs> you know, 
I got eight closings. He said. But this is what you do to complete that process of those four things. This completes it. Begin to thank God for it. Those four things. Just like you already have it. It's really obeying Mark eleven twenty four. What things soever you desire, when you pray right then, believe that you have received them and then you shall have them. So thank God that you already have them as you're meditating on them. Get on the positive side and you'll find yourself going from depression to joy. You won't even have to shake Pastor Happy's hand to get happy. <laughs> You'll just be happy. I'm not telling you fiction. I'm telling you nonfiction. I'm telling you the truth. I got this from the Lord. No, if anybody was messed up, it was me. I was locked in a cage like an animal because I was one. And if God could bring me out of that cage to where I'm at today. And listen, there's no end to my future. There's nothing that can stop me out there. There's nothing that's impossible to me. There's no horizon. There's no mountain that I can't climb. I am like Joshua and Caleb, 80 years old. Give me this mountain. I'm telling you, there's going to be a change in this church. This is the first place that the Lord has allowed me to share this. First place. Because some things you know, you know, people will think, well, you're off the deep end. Well, see, you already know I'm off the deep end. So <laughs> it doesn't matter. Because there's big things that you must do. There's big things that you need to accomplish. And I know that you've been going through struggles. I know that you, I'm going to talk about the church as a whole. And test. And I know there's been opposition. And I know there's been big mountains. And, but if you'll just notice every mountain that God set before you, you've been able to climb it. Yes. And what's going to be any different in the future? We're going to follow God. We're going to obey God. But we're not going to look at a mountain and let it scare us. You won't even have to wear mascara anymore. <laughs> if you wasn't here last night, you might not understand it. You won't even have to wear it anymore. <laughs> Does this resonate with your spirit? This is the message of the hour to conquer our social nations that we live in. Because society as a whole is getting mentally insane. They are. It's around us everywhere. Look at how they act and what they think. They don't even know who they are. <clears throat> Some people believe they're animals, you know. And I'm not attacking them. I'm just telling you. Well, people are going mentally insane right in our societies. In the Americas, around the world. But it's not going to be so with us because we have taken charge of our thinking and our thought life and our mentality and our faith and we're going to rise to the top and nothing's going to stop us. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for the Holy Ghost and the power of God.
And we thank you tonight, Lord, that you've given us some revelation. Uh, Lord, I can see how important it is, Lord, and I pray that they received it that way. And Lord, I know that they're going to do this and they're going to rise up above the circumstances. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Isn't that right? Thank God for it in the name of the Lord Jesus. The Lord is good and His mercy endures forever and ever and ever. Father, we thank you right now. Lord, we receive it. Lord, we're redeemed from this kind of thinking. We're redeemed from it in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you that you brought us up. Lord, because you brought us up, you're bringing us out. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus for it right now. Thank you in the name of Jesus for it. Ladies and gentlemen, we're leaving the wilderness behind and we're moving forward into the promised land. We're going to take the ceiling out of our head. We're going to get our thought life correct and get our faith life going in the right direction. And God is with us. Thank you for putting up with me this week. We love you. You may be seated. I'm going to turn it to our pastor. Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. What a wonderful message. I hope you, I really hope you do it. I really hope you do it because I believe that uh, God sent him with that message to help us and uh, corporately as a ministry there's much that God wants us to accomplish and it's going to take all of us coming up higher but individually in your personal life there's much that you want to accomplish there's much that you want God to do for you and there's nothing wrong with that but it's going to take it's going to cause us we have to come up higher don't we and I have to do this as well. I'm believing for some pretty big things that I don't talk about to anybody other than my wife, but I know the key, the key is to be a Joshua. Hallelujah. Slow down. How many minutes would that take? How long does it take to read one scripture seven times? Not very long. Two minutes maybe, three minutes at the most, and then seven minutes, and they're doing that three times, so seven times three is 21 plus about three minutes or so, give or take, per, per seven times you read the scripture, give or take. That's about, probably about another nine minutes. 21 plus nine, they told me, makes 30. So for 30 minutes, it's, it's going to take commitment. No, I'm, I'm real practical. So what does that mean if you're actually going to do it? What does that mean? It means tonight, before you go to bed, you have to set your alarm clock 30 minutes earlier. Because if you keep the same schedule that you always have, you're going to wake up in a panic rush tomorrow and you're going to be running to do, 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 and where, how are you going to have the time to do that? You have to plan. You really have to plan these things. So you have to, what does that mean? Tonight, you can't watch all the shows you wanted to watch. Are, are you listening to me? Because this is called practical planning. You might have a heart to do it, but if you don't plan to do it, you won't do it. Life will pass you by, and you know what? In about five, six, seven days, 10, 20 days, this message will feel very faint to you. And it won't really mean as much. And it will just be one another sermon that you thought was great, and you meant to do something about it, but six months have passed and nothing has changed. So you got to plan. That means, Lord, i got to get to bed a little earlier tonight because I'm going to get up a little earlier tomorrow, and I'm going. And, and then what scripture am I going to meditate on? Well, you can decide that in the morning, or you could decide that tonight in anticipation. Are you listening to me? 
If you actually plan for it and then do it uh, and actually take the time and do that for seven days, but that doesn't mean, Brother Randy, if I could just add, that doesn't mean that they stop after seven days. You can do this every day, but do seven day cycles of, of that particular scripture. But then what about when that week is done? Maybe this is healing week for you. Maybe next week will be marriage week for you. Meditate on scriptures about your, your marriage and your relationship. Maybe the week after that is going to be money week for you, finance week for you. You know, you don't have to just do this for one week and then you don't think about, no, this is a lifestyle. And every week, think about that, 52 weeks. If they did this every day, brother, for seven days, that's 52, that's 52 scriptures. That's 52 categories. You can repeat as many categories as you need. Could you imagine how different you would be? Could you imagine how different you would think? What about having a love week? Instead of <laughs> all the stuff you say about each other, why don't you just take a week and meditate on walking in love? What about a forgiveness week? And you take a scripture and you just meditate on forgiveness the entire week. You come out of that week, you won't be able to hold out against anybody because the Holy Ghost will just suck all that out of you with his Holy Ghost vacuum. Right? Praise God. What about a tithing week? I meditate on that because it's a covenant and I want it to work for me. What about a generosity week? I can keep going all night if you want. I can come up with 52 things real easy. My point is, if you don't plan to do this, it will just be another message that you thought was great, but it passes you by. You've got to plan to do it. Praise the Lord. You've got to actually plan a place. Can I be honest with you? I got, I got kids. I got a dog. Demon dog. Dog does yoga. He does downward dog every day. I watch him. He does yoga. I got to cast that devil out of him. And I got, we got a busy life and we got a busy schedule. And so I've been saying, Lord, where do I go? Because I got to find a place where there's quiet and where everybody is not doing all this kind of stuff. You know, sometimes they even pick a room, pick the time, set your alarm, get the scripture, go and make an appointment with God. That is really what you're doing. You're making an appointment with God. And take it serious. Take it serious. If you'll do it, if you're not lazy and you'll do it, this, it really does work. But we have to, it takes fortitude. So Father, we thank you for this message today. Oh, praise God. It's going to change my church. It's going to change my life. It's going to change my congregation. Praise God. Thank God for Brother Randy. Amen.